Hey guys, I want to welcome you to the weekly Wednesday for the Financial Freedom Newsletter, where every week, every Wednesday, we delve into something inspirational, motivational, something excerpt taken from the Financial Freedom Weekly Newsletter. Wherever you are, if you're listening on Spotify, on iTunes, Google, be sure to click the like, subscribe, share, comment. Without ado, let's get into the show. Hey guys, welcome to this week's podcast episode for the Financial Freedom Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Christopher Liu, and I have a very special guest for you today, uh, Raul Hernandez from San Diego, and he's a growth strategist for Bootstrap Founders. So I'm always on the cutting edge looking for those insights, those distinctions that can take you to the next level, get new insights and share with you guys. So Raul, welcome to the show. Chris, thanks for having me on. Yeah, I know you're also a, a podcast host of Do Good Work and, um, you know, uh, we connected through Podmatch. Tell people, you know, briefly, two to three minutes, your story and we'll delve right into the questions. Yeah, no, absolutely. So I started by trying to start a software company and uh, I was working at JP Morgan in finance at the time. So I wanted to create a software. We were interviewing the marketplace and it seemed like there were more issues for marketing and growth and there was a software need. And back in the day, we were using Skype, if you remember that. And I was partnering, I partnered with a, a good friend of mine to this day, who was in Brooklyn. I was in San Diego. So we never met in person. We started a remote company, uh, <laughs> a New York based company. And that took me out of my day job. I started working online, helping companies grow with uh, with marketing and learning the craft and the trade. And we were building it to a point where we needed to hire people. And like, you know, this is, wasn't us. It wasn't what we wanted to do. And uh, we parted as friends. And we still like are connected and collaborate to this date. And I went on to help uh, digital marketing companies online grow from mergers, acquisitions, to the whole nine, to being on the other side and helping train companies, helping them train their marketing teams, helping them uh, like a coaching consultant. Uh, during that phase, I helped a team nearly triple in revenue. This is not like 1,000 or 3,000, this is millions, nearly triple in less than a year. And a coach at the time told me, hey, you got to write that down. I'm like, what do you mean write it down? Like, Just write it down. I'm like, why? It's like, you're going to write a book. Like, sure. Turns out I wrote the book uh, and the book was more capturing the principles of what I was focusing on, not just like tactical things that are going to expire end of year. Uh, wrote the book, started consulting more companies and helping their growth from agencies to memberships to nonprofits. And uh, one of the teams that I was uh, able to help and support, I went in-house to help them a little bit, uh, but helping them support last year, we uh, almost, I think, nearly 50 million in rev and we made it to being 5,000 for the second year in a row. So I've done small bootstrap to a little bit higher tier, mid-level, mid-market uh, behind the scenes. And I'm uh, just loving every step of the way and I'm growing better every day. So that's my little backstory. Isn't it amazing how um, now you can start companies and you can have, uh, you know, partners, co-founders, <laughs> you never met them in real life. Um, it's just amazing how uh, the internet democratized trust and scaled trust to that level. Yeah. And uh, it's just, it's amazing. Tell us, uh, you know, more one. So you basically you're talking about scaling and growth and, you know, we'll get into this because you have several episode ideas, big ideas. One is strategically and ethically 
two to three X your price pricing and grow a thriving team and attract winning clients. Yeah, I mean, um, I'll give you, so anytime that I teach or I go on talks or I'm on stage, it's from experience. So I don't make things up or theoretical. I'm not a researcher. I'm not, I'm just a dude who's doing it. And like, here's what's worked. Here's what didn't work. Here's what kicked me in the face. Uh, so this comes from working directly with teams. And almost every time that you work with me, specifically if you sell services, if you sell consulting, whatever you're selling, I influence price increases almost 90% of the time. I was going to say 100, but that's not always possible. Why, why increase pricing and why focus on value transformation versus just hands and doing? Uh, in this particular case, so I've worked primarily with services firms. So firms that deliver labor as a service, that could be marketing services, that could be sales services, that could be IT supports, uh, that could be tracking and analytics creation, whatever it is that you're doing. I, I have a real issue against uh, pricing by the hour and pricing. Like, I mean, some people, oh, I price 200 bucks an hour, 500 bucks an hour. That's great. But that if you ever price by the hour, you're always going to be time poor. And let that sink in. So what do we need to price on? I think it's important to price on the transformation that you're delivering to the marketplace. And this does include focusing on niching down and being very specific and saying no to a lot of other services that may not value your work. Um, so in this case, particularly, it was a podcast company and they were focusing on delivering podcasts uh, for founders and companies, again, bootstrapped to bootstrapped. But we found this particular niche that they were focused on and we leaned into that niche. And for that particular niche, they valued more what can come through a podcast, relationship building, because uh, they focused, they, they fine-tuned the, in the finance uh, industry. And we identified that the value created from having a podcast for these people in, in finance, wealth management, retire the whole, the whole nine, they had higher LTVs, uh, higher win-back rates, more deals coming to them, as well as probably more partnerships and vendor relationships and speaking opportunities, et cetera. Uh, the last one, I, I I don't know their market, but that that's a possibility. The other ones were actual things that their clients were experiencing. So we zoned in, like, what's the value of what you're doing right now and how, what, what, how do we price appropriately? And the interesting thing about pricing, when you position yourself for a very specific someone, as opposed to just a generalist or just hands, I'll do this for you, I'll do X, Y, Z for you, even if you're a doctor, like if you position yourself as being an expert in one specific thing, and then you're not focusing on the hours of the labor or the cause, you're focusing what's the transformation mean to you. This is where you can come in and start uh, pricing and giving people options of how to work with you away from the hourly. So uh, being disconnected from the hourly rate and more about the end outcome. Uh, another client of mine, this was years ago, but they're a fantastic group. They're dentists, but they're not just traditional dentists. They had a boutique shop. They flew clients in. They had like, they were creating their clinic inside of a hotel. That's like a boutique hotel. So it was it, it was exceptional. The work that they do was uh, was cosmetic work, but people didn't pay five, ten grand here. These were fifty, hundred, like expensive cases. But why do some people spend that kind of money on dental work? Versus some who don't even well, like want to go see their dentist and pay like the $100, $200 copay. What's that difference? And it's leaning into that difference and leaning into that positioning and having clients that are raving for you because there are those needs in the marketplace that need to be met. And how are you going to funnel them down to your offerings, to your services, to the transformation, not just the hands of what you do? Yeah, I love that. Um, I love this because this uh, in the past, you know, doctors, they got paid for... They still get paid their time, but most of them like got paid for like 
um, labs and procedures and surgeries and, you know, per patient, how much they got. Mm -hmm. And now it's shifted to value, you know, readmission rates, RVUs, and it's all about how much can you do with less time. And that's uh, you know, it's very innovative to think like in terms of uh, time, because if you're incentivized by time, then you're just basically going to stay on the clock as long as you can and, you know, mm -hmm. right points. But with outcomes, it's uh, it's different. So um, the other Thing that you talked about is um you talk about a uh what's interesting is like your your partner your co-founder is on the opposite side of the country mm -hmm. you have productive profits uh remote only team operating system i'm really interested to hear about that yeah so one of the things mm -hmm. that i was talking to this uh with an agency owner and almost every team that i work with like when you run a company when you're running the team you have your quarterly goals, you have your yearly goals, you have your focus, your rocks, your revenue, whatever you want to hit. The key in the art of an idea versus an outcome is transforming that goal, that initiative, that vision, that dream, that idea into actionable progress across the team. The only way to do that is through the art of leadership and communication. That's where we're seeing a lot of struggle right now with companies never having to focus in on that because we didn't have to try as hard in person or we didn't have to be as intentional, know what tools do we use? How do we, and it's less about the tools, it's more about the ecosystem that you can create. A lot of the issues that I'm seeing right now are the fact that we don't know how to properly communicate and delegate and compartmentalize the three, the trifecta. There's three things that drive digital work today centralizing your ideas, meaning your thoughts, your documents, your initiatives in one place, your how-tos in one place, centralizing your actions, who's doing what, how often are we doing it, who is doing that, how are we measuring that, and then centralizing your communication. And when you do that, you kind of create a company brain, a master HQ or a master brain of the company, a brain that knows how to think and has a, a repository of thought. It has a mouth where it can communicate those thoughts, and it has hands or actions where it can execute on facilitating that. So you're essentially creating that for your company, and you're tying everyone together into that central brain. Then there's also streams or flows of communication. There's a vertical and horizontal communication within every company. The vertical is like team-specific. Maybe this is marketing team. Maybe it's a sales team, product team, clinical team, front office staff. Like Those are team-specific communications. But then there's also horizontal communications to break the silos because there's often too many silos in a remote setting. And horizontally, it can be like C-suite, managers, or leadership, and leaders within teams. And those are you don't really need more than three hierarchies of horizontal communication. But the goal is, how do I create a heartbeat? for my company? How do I create a rhythm of communication, information, and action? How do I communicate uh, key updates? How do I communicate visions? How do I create a bond, solidarity, a culture? How do I encourage people? And it's all about being intentional. This stuff is not hard. I mean, if it were hard, like I, I mean, hard things are possible, but it's not complicated. I mean, if I can do it, like it's not complicated, but yeah. it is intentional. And that's the key thing that's we need to be over intentional in our communications and how we show up as leaders to lead teams effectively online. And I see too much, I see too often right now a cop out of saying, oh, you got to return to the office because that's the only way I know how to manage you. Like, well, that's great for now, but the future of work will be fractional and or remote. So mm. it's being able to figure that out. Yeah. 
That's interesting because I I work with VAs, editors. I, I've never met them in real life, but you know, it's, everything is through Zoom and uh, it's so much more efficient, you know, cheaper as well. Recently, there's this great book called uh, Positioning by Al Reese and Jack Trout. And um, they talk mm-hmm. about, you know, positioning yourself. Like I like to think ahead of trends and like position myself to capture that upside and, you know, minimize my downside. But um, how do you create peak positioning to differentiate and scale your offerings by satisfying your client's deepest desires? The interesting part. So, I mean, the, the there's plenty of books and education around that. And I think that's a fantastic book to read. The thing that I care the most about are we're always going to be doing business with humans. I mean, so far it's 2023, who knows, maybe we start selling to, to bots, but Right now, from from my understanding and the way that I operate, I sell to humans, I serve humans, and I help them get transformations and results. The thing that I want to be able to create in someone else's mind is for them to bridge the gap. So if we look at what a transformation is, it's from taking someone from A to B. And the little staircase in between, that's your service, that's your unique product, that's your software, that's working with you and it's an experience, the step-by-step to work with you. When someone wants to get from A to B though, there's a few things we need to keep in mind when it comes to things that are moving them to getting that result and things that are prohibiting them from getting that result. Typically, no one's going to take action to move and, and get a result unless they're in sufficient pain, unless there is efficient stressors or issues around their life that they need to take action now. And sometimes people try to convince people that they need to take action now. If they're not going to, they don't understand the pain or they don't understand the problem, they're not going to take action, no matter how good your sales are. You don't need to push people. So what's the antithesis of the pain? Well, their needs. Well, what kind of needs? I like to subscribe to um, the hierarchy of needs or human need psychology and identifying what need are they trying to solve? Is it a personal need, a fulfillment need? Is it a safety need? Is it a need because they want belonging? Do they want love? Do they want connection? Do they want security? Do they want uncertainty? What are they looking for with this need? And that need has to be greater than the pain for them to actually move and get results. Because sometimes, you know, we, for the simple examples, we start a New Year's resolution, we try to work out, but like uh, three weeks in, we stop, right? The need wasn't greater. It wasn't pulling you more than the pain, right? But then there's also another key thing that's dropping us or raising us up, and that's our beliefs. And because we as humans exist on three planes, we exist in the past, we exist in the present, in the future, well, we actually only exist in the present, but our minds can conceive of the past, it can process the present, and it also can conceive of the future. So we can mentally live in different states. So our beliefs can pull us down if we're stuck in the past and we think we're criticized, we're judged, misunderstood, or shamed. We could have beliefs about the present that we're uncertain of what we're doing, we're hesitant, we're skeptical, we mistrust, or we could have hesitation and misleading beliefs about the future. We fear the future, we dread, we worry, we're nervous. But then we also have to understand what are the empowering beliefs that are going to change that for them to get a result. And I know maybe you're listening to this and you think this is too ethereal or too out of concept. This is, in my opinion, some of the heavy lifting work that has to happen before you ever present your offer or your solution to the marketplace. Because when you get this right, you're able to identify what are the key desires my market wants, my unique somebody, and then crafting offers and products and services in alignment that essentially peak both of those desires at the highest level. 
So a simple example would be like, I'll, I'll use myself for, for instance, my ideal people that I work with want certainty and they want results. They want performance, performance, and they want to feel certain. They don't want to feel ambiguity. They don't want to feel bottleneck. They don't want to feel stressed. They want to feel certain that they're doing the right thing and they want results. If I give them a blog post, will that give them certainty? Sure. Will that give them results? Uh, kind of weak. Okay. If I give them an online group and community, can I give them certainty? Yes, because they're taking right actions. Can I give them some performance? Maybe. If I have a service that serves them and actually implements everything, will that give them certainty? Absolutely. And will that give them results? Absolutely. So which one's the easiest one to sell? Well, that, that service. So it's doing this for your ideal marketing, your ideal customer, and identifying what's their psychology, what's going through them, how do they perceive the world? What's true for them? Not that truth is relative, but how do they process it? How are they processing their reality right now? But fascinating. I, I love that. Um, you have uh, so many um, nuggets of wisdom in that uh, idea. You know, basically what makes them tick and then leveraging different uh, product services, you know, value. The other question is um, with ChatGPT and AI and all these new large language models being developed, what are some ways that to modernize your business model with AI? I think it's important to know where AI is. And right now it's a language model and where it isn't. I don't think, again, going back to the human, when there is an inflection point of trust and relationship, AI is not going to do I mean, that's a uniquely human thing. So you can have your competitors do that. You, you if I, in my opinion, you should have a human there building the trust and building relationship. That that inflection point won't change, in my opinion. However, we also need to look at your business model as a whole. And I want to split your business model in two. Right now, you have investments. Some people call them costs or expenses, but they're essentially investments in the business. That's your overhead, having the business run, the staffing, the office if you have that, the tools, the software to run the business. But then you also have, some people call them expenses, but I call them investments, investments in the team that serves the client. And if you think about that, this team that serves the client, if they're, let's say you're, you're spending 50 grand a month, 60 grand a month on that team, that, that little unit, maybe three or five people that serve maybe 10, 15, 20, 30, 50 clients, it's an investment pot. I invest 60 grand to return 200 grand. Not bad, like not bad per month. Depending on what it is, that's just an example. So if you look at your business model that way, then you can identify, well, how can I influence this? A few things that you can influence are the number of clients that you have, your labor efficiency, your costs as a team, and the average revenue per client. So where does AI play into that in the actual business model? Well, AI can help people either A, do more with less, so instead of hiring someone new, you can empower three people to do 3.5 of the output, right? So that's, you can, without, not burning people out or using them as tools, but you can empower people to do more. And GPT is just the tip of the iceberg. There's plenty more that you can do. You can also look at uh, increasing in positioning, maybe uh, being able to price accordingly and or lower your cost to execute and have higher profitability. Like one of my dudes, uh, he runs a services firm and his Pricing is really low, like it's really cheap compared to the market, but that's because his team executes on leveraging a lot of AI and automation that he can have 60 plus percent profitability per client. And that's fascinating because then he can just scale the, uh, the client load and keep his cost profitable. 
So it's looking at your business model and identifying where, am I, where can I do cost savings? How can I automate what was existing that my team doesn't have to do? How can I empower my team to do more? And frankly, how can I invest more in technology versus just hiring another person? Not because we can't hire people, but those people that you have on your team can solve higher level problems. Fascinating discussion. Um, how can people contact you, follow your work, reach out to you, check you out on social media, et cetera? Uh, the best place is going to be the website uh, do good oh that's do good io is input output so input excellence output good work yeah i love that and for all the audience out there let's thank uh, raul for coming onto the show uh, double to 5x companies using his strategies um and just a really insightful conversation all of raul's resources will be in the links and show notes and with that thanks so much for coming onto the podcast thanks for having me chris listening if you liked it be sure to like comment share subscribe we're on everywhere spotify itunes google amazon audible and without much ado be sure to thank this show's sponsors and we'll see you next week